you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Someone once told you in a science class, probably when you were a child, not to look directly at the sun. Or wait a second, maybe you were one of those kids that you didn't believe your science teacher and you had to figure it out for yourself. So you went outside and you looked directly at the sun and it started to feel like your eyeballs were going to melt right out of your face. All of us kind of instinctively know that the sun is there and most of us don't need to be told, don't look directly at it. You see, sometimes... We know the sun is there because we can feel the heat of it on our skin in the middle of the day. I don't have to see it with my eyes to know that it's there. We know that the sun is there because everything around us starts to become bright and we can see what's around us because of this big ball of gas that's in the middle of our universe. I don't need somebody to tell me that the sun is burning today because I know the effects of the sun. I don't have to see it with my eyes to believe that it's there. I'm using this simple science illustration that all of us learned when we were little children in school to talk about faith today. You see, what the Bible is gonna teach us today from the book of John, John chapter four, is it's gonna teach us a little bit about faith. And here's what I want you to understand about this whole sermon. We're going to look at a few verses from John chapter 4 today, starting in verse 43. But I'm just going to tell you everything that you need to know right up front. In fact, I'll put it on the screens for you right there on the screen for you to read in one simple sentence. Here's what the Bible is going to teach us about faith today. And it's going to tell us that faith is the lens that lets you look directly at the sun. Now, I want you to notice that word that you see at the bottom, at the end of that sentence. Notice that I'm not talking about the big ball of gas that's at the center of our universe. I'm talking about looking at the S-O-N, capital S, the son of the living God. And faith is the muscle that you have to exercise in order to be able to see the son of God. We get this story today of a guy who has a weak, struggling faith. And today he gets a chance to see who's really standing in front of his midst when Jesus does this incredible miracle. And I think what we're going to have the opportunity to do today is to learn a lesson about faith from a guy who we don't even know his name in the Bible. Let me tell you how this story begins. I'll put it right there on the screens for you because it begins with a far-sighted faith. I don't even really understand this medical term, far-sighted, because far-sighted means that you're not able to see stuff that's right next to you. And nearsighted means you're not able to see the stuff that's a long ways away from you. Seems like the guy who created these two medical terms was drunk. Because by far-sighted, it feels like I shouldn't be able to see what's far away from me. Well, today we see some people who cannot recognize what's right in front of their face. They really cannot recognize that the boy that they grew up with is actually the son of God. And they have far-sighted faith. 
I'm going to read from, for you from the Bible, but if, you're, if you've got the Two Cities Church mobile app downloaded, you can just click that sermon button, and all that we're going to study today is right there in front of you. Here's what the Bible says, and it picks up in John chapter 4, starting in verse 43. It says, after two days, he, Jesus, left there for Galilee. Now, the there in this story is Samaria and a conversation with a woman at a well that led to two days of talking to people that were not from Jesus's culture and basically a different country. After two days, he left there for Galilee. Look what's in parentheses. Jesus himself had testified. That a prophet has no honor in his own country. We're going to talk about what's in parentheses here. And when they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything that he did in Jerusalem during the festival. Now, let me give you a little bit of insight on geography here. Jesus was down by Jerusalem in the south. He's making his way north. Most Jews would never pass through this country called Samaria because there was this bitter hatred between Samaritans and Jews. But Jesus passes right through Samaria, spends two days up there, and many people believe that he is the Son of God. Apparently, we don't have the exact details of the route that Jesus takes. When he leaves this town called Sychar in Samaria and continues to make his way north, apparently Jesus goes towards his hometown. Now, for those of you who don't know, Jesus comes from a town called Nazareth. And while he's leaving Samaria and many people who didn't call themselves Jews and didn't come from Jesus's country, believe that he is the son of God. While he's leaving Samaria, he passes back through the region of his hometown called Nazareth on his way to Galilee. That's the ultimate destination. Here's what I find interesting. In parentheses, John, who writes this account for us, tells us this fascinating account. When Jesus was around his hometown of Nazareth, we don't know exactly how this went down, but if you read some of the other books of the New Testament, it tells you what happens here. While he's there, people don't want to listen to him. They don't want to believe in him because they have farsighted faith. They can't see what's right in front of their face. That means the boys that were playing with Jesus at school didn't recognize who was right in front of them. That means the girls that saw Jesus at the marketplace with his mom and dad didn't recognize that this is the son of the living God right in front of their face. And when he passes back through his hometown as an adult, they can't see, they can't recognize him. And I think it's probably because they become too familiar with him, that he is hard to recognize as the son of God because they're not looking with the eyes of faith. They're looking with the eyes of their, uh, with their own physical eyes and they don't recognize what the people in Galilee recognize because the very next thing the Bible tells us is those folks in Galilee are thrilled that Jesus is there because they believe there's something special about that guy, about Jesus. The folks in Nazareth, of Nazareth, they don't see it. 
Listen, I, I started wearing glasses when I was in my mid-40s. And I have to wear reading glasses now because I'm an old man and I remind my family of this. I have old man eyes and I have to wear reading glasses now to see what's right in front of my face. I'll tell you what makes this fr so frustrating for me. I had perfect eyesight my entire life until I got to my mid-40s, which means I'm the guy who could read the fine print at the bottom of the eye chart from across the room until I had to start wearing reading glasses. And now I can still read the fine print on the eye chart at the bottom, across the room, but I cannot see what's right in front of my face. I know there's something there. It looks fuzzy and I can't make it out until I put my glasses on. And what these Jews in Nazareth had right in front of their face when Jesus was growing up was the son of the living God, but they can't see it because they become so familiar they become so immune to who this man really is that when he passes back through their town after he's already doing miracles and after people are talking about him all over the place, they just see the boy from school. They just see the kid from the marketplace. They don't see the son of God. And I kind of want to ask you, do you get to the point that you become so bored with the stories that you start to become a little bit nearsighted? about who this man really is, because he really is the greatest man to ever walk on planet Earth. In fact, he's more than just a man. He is the God-man or God made into flesh, but the people in his hometown can't see it. So Jesus keeps moving. Mark chapter six tells us that when he gets there, he doesn't even do a whole lot of miracles in his hometown of Nazareth because they don't believe they cannot see him through the eyes of faith. So Jesus keeps moving and he goes to a town called Galilee. And it's when he's to a region called Galilee, to a town called Capernaum. And when he's in Capernaum, he meets with a really, really important guy who I think is probably waiting for Jesus to get there. Jesus goes to Canaan and while he's in Canaan, in the region of Galilee, near Capernaum, there's a very important figure that's waiting for Jesus when he gets there. And here's what the Bible is telling us next. Faith starts to bring life into focus. You know, you can still see stuff without glasses on, but it's fuzzy. When you put glasses on, what's fuzzy starts to become crystal clear. And you can start to make out the fine details. Did you know that God created human life? He created human beings to be in a relationship with him. Without that relationship with him, without looking through the eyes of faith, life looks a little bit fuzzy. But when you put the glasses of faith on, now you can start to see all of the beautiful details about this human existence in a relationship with your creator that God created you to have. You just can't see it without looking through the eyes of faith. And there's a guy who shows up who is struggling with his faith because he is in a really desperate situation. Listen to what the Bible tells us next, and it picks up at verse 46. It says that Jesus gets to a region called Galilee, for they had also gone to a festival. He went again to Canaan, 
of Galilee. If you remember back a couple of sermons ago, Jesus performs a great miracle here and turns water into wine. This is the same town and people are talking about this guy who turned water into wine. He went again to Canaan of Galilee where he had turned water into wine. Notice what happens next. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. Now I want to explain this phrase, royal official, because this is a really, really important dude. Probably this is a high-ranking Jewish official that has royal blood, meaning he is a directly in line for the throne. He is a direct relation to King Herod Agrippa, who's on the throne at this time. Or maybe he is such a high-ranking official that he's kind of in charge of the royal parts of the government. He's a royal official, and no matter how powerful and how wealthy or how much resources this guy has at his disposal, he is desperate for Jesus right now. And you would be too if you were in this father's shoes because he's got a son that's sick. And here's what the Bible tells us next. He's not just a little bit sick. This boy is on his deathbed, which makes dad desperate. No matter how much power I have in the land, I cannot fix my sick son. So I'm going to go to the guy who could turn water into wine. And maybe he can do something for my son. Listen to what the Bible says next, what it picks up with next. When this man, we don't even know his name. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and he pleaded with Jesus to come down and to heal his son. He's saying, Jesus, I need you to stop what you're doing. I need you to come to my house and I need you to heal my son. And here's why the Bible says this is so urgent. He pleaded with Jesus to come down and send his son since he, his son, was about to die. And listen to what Jesus does next. Jesus told this man, unless you see a sign and a wonder, he's talking about miracles, unless you see a miracle, you will not believe. This story the Bible is giving us is about what it looks like when a dad is desperate. And I mean so desperate that I will do whatever I got to do. So this very powerful, very important man who everybody else in town probably gets out of his way when he walks down the streets, comes to Jesus and he humbles himself and pleads with Jesus. Jesus, I need you to stop what you're doing. And I need you to come to my house because my boy is sick and he's not just a little bit sick, Jesus. I can't fix him. The doctors can't fix him. He is on his deathbed sick. Jesus, I need your help. And the Bible is describing for us a man who's grasping for anything that he can get to heal his son. And you would do the same thing as a mother or a father. I would do what this man is doing. But the Bible is also describing for us that he's struggling with who Jesus really is. In fact, Jesus' response to him may sound a little bit rude to you. Because what Jesus says is, hey, all you people really want to see is a miracle. I kind of think what Jesus is saying is, you're not asking for the miracle worker. You're asking for a miracle. And what God wants to give you is more than just a miracle. He wants to give you 
the miracle worker. He wants to give you his son. And this dad is struggling with believing who's standing right in front of his midst. And I need you to remember this. This week, because this week when you get up, you're going to be confronted with the same challenge that this man is confronted with. Do I believe that what I see is all that exists and I'm struggling with my health or I'm struggling in my marriage or I'm struggling with my business and all that I see with my eyes, all that I can do with my hands, that's all that there is. That's all that exists. Or do you have the ability to see with the eyes of faith? Specifically, do you have the ability to believe there is much more out there than what I can see with my eyes? There is a whole spiritual world out there that our God, the one who created this physical world and created me, created that spiritual world as well. And when I see my problems, I don't just look at it through physical eyes. No, when I see my problems, I can look at it through the eyes of faith as well. Which means I believe that there's somebody in the middle of my problems who is good, who is higher than my mountains, who is able to handle my troubles and my struggles, and my marriage is on the rocks. But I believe that Jesus can step in and can change things. My business is on decline and it looks like I'm headed towards bankruptcy, but I believe that Jesus is bigger than the problems that my business is facing. I'm struggling with a health report that says things are not good and they're looking really, really bad. Do you believe that there is somebody bigger than what you can see with your eyes who has the ability to step in and to meet you right where your greatest need is? Because this guy is confronted but who's standing right in front of his face. And I want you to see what the Bible tells us next as we round out John chapter four. Look at what the Bible says to us when we see who Jesus really is. And I just need to remind you, I'll put it right there on the screens for you, that seeing always follows believing. I'm gonna say it again. Seeing always, always, always follows believing, and it doesn't work the other way around. And I've got some good news for you. In your struggles, in your difficulties, it's not all on you. You see, if you will take that first step of faith, if you will just simply believe, God, I believe that you're there. I believe that you're good. Hebrews chapter 11 says it this way, that you believe God and that you seek him. He rewards those who honestly believe him, who honestly seek him. So when you're facing your struggles, if you will just take that first step of faith, here's the good news. He is there. He will meet you and he will make a massive difference in your life, but you have to first take the step of faith. Faith first, seeing second. It always comes in that order. I'm going to put my farsighted glasses back on, and I'm going to read the remainder of John chapter 4 for us, because here's what it's, here's this man's response to Jesus. Sir, the official said to him, Come down, and this is an urgent plea. Come down before my boy dies. 
Listen to what Jesus does next. And I don't want you to miss what's written between the words here. Go, Jesus told him. Your son will live. And then the Bible wants us to make no mistake about what happens in this man's heart. Not with his eyes, but in his heart. First, he believes. Secondly, he sees the results or the reward of his belief. The man believed what Jesus said to him, and he departed and went back home. And while he was still going down, his servants met him saying that the boy was alive. And he asked them, what time did he get better? Yesterday at about noon, the fever left him, they answered. And the father realized that this was the very hour in which Jesus told him, your son will live. And now listen to what happens to the whole family. So he himself believed, along with his whole household. Now this is the second sign that Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. When the Bible tells us that he believed, it's using this analogy. It's using the story of he started to trust. He, would, he was willing to take that first step of faith. Jesus says, just go home. Your boy has been healed. Now, I'm sure some of you who have read the Bible, you immediately picked up on what just happened here. You see, at this point, Jesus has performed a miracle before, but never while he was from a distance. Jesus can turn water into wine while he's right in the room. And some people in Galilee started to believe that this man really had the power to do miracles. But at this point, he's only done miracles while he's right there in the room. And now Jesus just took believing to a whole nother level. Because he tells this father, I don't even need to go to your house. I don't even need to be in your boy's bedroom. You just go home. And I'm promising you. Your son is healed. And the Bible tells us that this man believed, listen to this, that not only did Jesus have the power to heal, but he could do it from a distance, that he didn't even have to be in the same room when he healed this boy. And as the man starts to make his way home, he's taken the step of faith. And now he gets a chance to see with his eyes the reward for that faith. Because when he's on his way home, his servants come out to meet him and they say, hey boss, you don't have to bother the master anymore. You don't have to bother the rabbi because your son has been healed. And the dad already had it in his mind. I, I can almost tell you exactly when this happened. It's when I was talking to Jesus in Galilee. And the dad finds out that his son has been totally and completely healed. And Jesus is nowhere even close to his home when this happens. Jesus is able to heal from a distance. Your problems your marriage. He's, he will give you the reward of your faith. And one day I'm promising you, I'm making a money back guarantee. You will see with your eyes, the object of your faith, but you must first take the step of faith. And then God is there to meet you. And he is there to work in your life after you take that first step of faith. I'm going to wrap up with this. I, I still remember this vividly even though it's been more than 30 years. When I went through free fall school in the U.S. Army, my 
instructor was telling me about how this first skydiving jump, free fall jump was going to go. And me and another buddy were kind of paired up together. And we had one free fall instructor that was going to jump with us for the first several jumps just to be right next to us while we're skydiving and to make sure that nothing goes wrong. And this free fall instructor said to both of us, whatever you do when you get in that airplane, when you're flying in the air at the altitude that commercial aircraft fly at, when they drop the ramp and when you get ready to go and leave the ramp, he said, I'm going to tap you on the back of your parachute. And when you do, you don't hesitate. And then this is what he said next, and I'll never forget it. Don't look down. I didn't understand. I, I, I could get the don't hesitate part because when you're asking somebody to step off the back of an airplane that's flying at the same altitude as commercial airliners and free fall through the sky, it can be really intimidating. I understood why he said don't hesitate, but I really couldn't uh, recognize or understand why would this guy tell me don't look down? And so I asked him, what's the big deal about looking down? And I still remember his answer to this day. He said, Jeff, when people look down, they get fixated on the ground. They forget everything else that's going on around them. They just see the ground and they see the ground getting closer and getting bigger and they cannot ex or understand or recognize anything else that's going around them. And then he said, this has not happened to me once or twice, but as a free fall instructor, I have seen this many times. They get so fixated on the ground that they forget to pull their parachute. So what I want you to do when you leave that airplane is look at me and focus on me and only on me. Don't look down. And I will tell you when to pull your parachute. I will make sure that everything is okay. And I will tell you when to pull your parachute. Do you know what this free fall instructor was really asking of me? Jeff, I want you to jump out of this airplane trusting me and trusting that I've got everything under control. And I'll let you know when it's safe to pull your parachute and I'll help get you safely to the ground. But don't trust yourself and don't look down. You take the step of faith and trust me and I'll make sure that everything goes okay. Look, what God asks of people is to look with the eyes of faith. And he says, if you will just take that first step, like this father did with his son, if you will just take that first step, then I will meet you. And then I will step in and I will get involved. And I promise you, you will see with your own eyes the object of your faith. But you first must believe. The reason I can make that promise is you might not see it here on earth, but I promise you, you will see him one day in heaven with your own eyes, physically looking at the son of God. Faith is the lens that lets you look directly at the son and only the lens of faith. I want to place some challenges before you. We call these challenges next steps at Two Cities Church. And I really have two next steps right now. One of those is that maybe you have never really 
exercised your faith before. Maybe you've never really taken that first step and trusted and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you how you can see Jesus for the first time, how you can turn your soul over to him for the first time. And I'm going to, in fact, lead you through a very simple prayer in just a moment. But the second thing that you see on the screens, this second next step is for you that are a Christian. And here's what it says. Will you this week look to Jesus before you look to solve your own problems? You see, maybe this is you. Maybe you do this. I, I do this too. Sometimes when life gets difficult, I start to roll up my sleeves and I start to take care of my own problems like it's all on me. And I forget to look with the eyes of faith and to recognize that there's something much bigger than me, much stronger than me, and much more capable of handling my problems. And this week, when you're confronted with a mountain, your natural inclination may be to roll up your sleeves and to try to handle it yourself. I'm gonna ask you, would you make a commitment right now that before those problems happen, God, I'm gonna look through the lens of faith, faith first, and then I will look through my own physical eyes second. I'm gonna look to you and trust in you before I trust in me to solve my own problems. Right there, wherever you're at, in your living room or in that Cunningham Center, would you let me pray for you? And would you make some kind of commitment? This isn't a commitment to me. You're not making a commitment to this church. This is a commitment between you and Jesus. So let me just pray for you right now. Father, maybe you have prompted people to tune into this broadcast from all over the United States, all around the world, and maybe somebody is watching this for the first time, and they've never really stepped across the line of faith, never really placed it all in Jesus's hands, never really trusted him to make them new and to clean up their soul and to turn them into a new man or a new woman. God, I believe you're calling your people to do that right now. And I'm praying that somebody would just simply cry out a simple prayer of faith, just taking the first step and saying something like, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I am a sinner and I can't fix my sin. I can't make it go away. And so God, I'm believing, I'm trusting you. In my faith, I trust that you and you alone can clean me up, can forgive me, can heal me, can turn me into a new person. And God, I need that right now. So I'm asking that you would step in and move into my soul and take a dead soul and make it alive through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, right now. Father, if somebody's crying that prayer out to you in faith, I am absolutely convinced that you hear it. Would you do a miracle in their life right now? But God, I also want to lift up to you my sisters and brothers who claim to be sons and daughters 
and followers of Jesus Christ who are in a born-again relationship with you. When life gets difficult, when they're faced with some challenges this week and they want to trust in themselves, God, would you help them before they do anything else to turn to you, to trust you, to look through the lens of faith first and then step in and look uh, at how they're going to face these problems, but God, would you help them to trust you first and trust you uh, uh, to work in their problems and then simply follow whatever you're leading them to do next. God, would you help us to remember that there's more to this world than what we can see with our eyes, that you're at work all around us, that you are a good God who loves us and works around us. And God, this week we're challenged to look through the eyes of faith first. And I believe that when we do that, like this dad that we just read about in the Bible, then we will have the privilege of seeing with our own eyes what we believed in in our hearts. God, would you do this for your glory and also for the good of your people? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.